0: to everything under the moon with mel and Stell. welcome to show number two uh today or fuck i should just okay whatever cut sight unseen science ufo invisibility and transgenic beings
1: yes it is going to be that kind of episode <laughs> oh god i hated that <laughs> laugh so much can you say that I again i feel it no. just in case it's <laughs> It is going to be that kind of episode, and I could not be more excited to dive into this topic today. So, I'm really excited. I think that
0: alien abduction is completely out of the realm of something that you can talk about at a bar with normal people. (laughs) Um, You get a lot of weird looks for even mentioning it at work. I mentioned skinwalkers the other day at work offhand, and this guy was like, well, if it makes you feel any better, they don't exist. It's like okay, like, okay. And I don't know, you know, you Thanks, don't bud. have to believe. Yeah, like you don't have to believe, but um, can you not? <laughs>
1: like,
0: <laughs> so anyway, very excited to talk about this.
1: So. Yeah, well, okay. So to clarify, this is the title of the book that I have read um, just for you guys. And I pulled it from my conspiracy shelf. Um, so a few apartments ago, I used to have this uh, this bookshelf kind of in the middle of my living room and I would go to all corners of the earth to try to find interesting titles to fill this bookshelf with. So I ended up calling it my conspiracy shelf because I ended up with all of these books that were from everything from Uh, nuclear fallout disaster cover-ups to um cults in america to um fundamentalist publications about the evils of harry potter and pokemon um to there's one called like dangers of the rainbow uh talking about the the new age coming and uh I, I don't know. I'm just sounding some pretty ap- apocalypse happy stuff. <laughs>
0: I'm very excited for. I don't know if we can make a whole episode out of Pokemon and uh, whatever, but it just it it gives me good vibes. Like remember Angela from The Office when she was like, "Harry Potter is satanic." Like <laughs> she's dressed up as the voodoo lady and she's <laughs> like, "I can't help it. I was exposed to Harry Potter." <laughs> I don't know. And ever since then, I was. I remember in that instant. Watching it, you know, growing up as a teen, like, are there people – I was pretty sheltered growing up. And I was like, are there people who actually don't read Harry Potter? And it's true. There are people who don't read Harry Potter. So, I don't know. Maybe we can get into, like, fundy okay? So boycotts.
1: I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say this. Five um, thumbs up or upvotes or whatever, <laughs> and we will do a special episode on uh, the evils of Pokemon and Harry Potter. Maybe so just we'll put it on, Say this about that. <laughs> maybe
0: we'll do a little tiny episode and put it on our Patreon. So sign up for our Patreon, yeah. and listen to us talk about Pokemon and Harry
1: Potter. <laughs> yeah, guys, get in there on the ground floor. Like you know, we're you know we're the next thing. So just hopefully. Yeah. You know, yeah. Allegedly. Well, if, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> That's my favorite word in the whole allegedly. English language. <laughs> Oh, my God. But you got to cut that out if it makes me sound like too much of a bitch.
0: No, okay. Um, you want to regroup us? <laughs> can cut yeah. This.
1: Oh, okay. So, um, sight unseen. So, I picked up this book from Half Price Books. Um, and it was in, like, I think, I want to say it was called, like, the metaphysical section or the spiritual section. I don't quite remember. um. What the section was called, but I was looking for books to add to my conspiracy shelf, um, and I so um, the f- first the title really grabbed my attention, but it was when I opened the book that the magic really happened. So the first setting, the first heading that I saw when I opened up this book, sight unseen, said, "The luckiest little abductee," and. I was pretty much sold from right then and there. So what's that? <laughs>
0: I Tell mean- us. Just give <laughs> us a, you have to explain that now. Tell <laughs> us about that chapter.
1: Well, so the luckiest little abductee is um oh man. I'd have to open up. Let me let me let me flip to it. This is a heavy, this is a heavy book. You can't just be doing that. <laughs> pulling stuff
0: out of it? That's my favorite. <laughs> just pulling the best parts of books out. If it's anything like Missing 411, that's all you can do because you can't read it. But this book was a little more readable, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I guess. I only read the first chapter.
1: (laughs) So while I'm I'm looking up for that heading, why don't you... um, Can I refresh my drink? Tell us what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Recording. So a little bit about the authors. Um, Bud Hopkins lived from 1931 to 2011. He graduated with an art degree from Oberlin College and was awarded with a Guggenheim Fellowship for Painting. And hold up, I- hold up. Guggenheim? Guggenheim?
0: Who is Guggenheim? Not to make fun of the esteemed Guggenheim, but his name sounds...
1: Really fun. <laughs> Shots fired. Okay, we'll look up
0: Guggenheim later, I guess. Okay, no, no, that's like a very
1: prestigious thing. Like it was I was oh, it's a big deal. Yeah. I know, and that's why I was
0: like after I said that I was like maybe you shouldn't make fun of the Guggenheim. <laughs> right.
1: Hopefully I think, the, Guggenheim, I think the fans Guggenheim can take it. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully the
0: fans aren't the violent type, you the know. The
1: Guggenheim simps. I can handle some blackmail,
0: but not violence. <laughs>
1: Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Oh no. Well, I was just saying he uh, he points to two experiences in his life um, that led to him to go from basically painting to being a ufologist, mm-hmm. and or if I don't know if it's a ufologist or ufoologist, but I'm gonna say ufologist because it just. That feels right. Sounds awesome. So that's what I want to um, be when I grow up. <laughs> the first, the first thing that happened was he was uh, sitting there on the radio, um, uh, sitting there listening to the radio with his family on that fateful night in 1938 when the War of the Worlds was released, and there was that uh, panic about um, aliens coming down to Earth. I mean, for people that don't know, that was a radio drama. Uh, about an alien invasion on earth but there wasn't anything like it, it was kind of a, a new thing i have never heard of that before so oh, the I'm war of the worlds explained. okay yeah yeah i it,
0: uh-huh now i feel like i have heard of it because i'll tell you the image i have in my head i'm imagining like a zone a twilight zone episode with a an old 50s man on a on a recliner and there's like a, a missile right like uh-huh. um this, I don't know anyway,
1: yeah it it's it's i'm 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 glad that like it should it should ring a bell for you in some way because it it it's embedded kind of in our pop culture, yeah you know? um but anyway, his family, you know th- th- so this radio broadcast um was one of the first like dramas. Uh, that was released over the radio, so people didn't really understand that this was a play and not an actual news broadcast, so it caused, like, a Mm. huge panic. And he was there um, as a child, and, you know, I think he was probably seven years old, Mm -hmm. and uh, that was a really formative experience for him, just seeing, like, his parents' reaction and just experiencing that with them as a family and as a nation, seeing that happen.
0: Those kind of things really early on in your childhood can really shape you yeah I know, absolutely I know that some of like the things I was exposed to I say exposed they were happy things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were nice things like the outdoors and that kind of stuff like uh-huh. they shape they shaped my interests for my entire life
1: so. yeah absolutely um, the other thing was that later on in his um, in his early adulthood in the 1960s uh, he actually... I think saw a UFO and made a report of it, although I was unable to find out who he actually reported it to, which ultimately left me unsatisfied with that part of the explanation. But uh, that he felt that whoever he reported to didn't really take it seriously. Mm, okay. So I think between those two experiences, like that, you know, he'll say that that's really what pushed him in that direction. Um, the other author is Carol Rainey, um, who is actually his wife at the time and um, they and uh, she is she's just kind of the writer like that's that's sort of what she brings to their dynamic is she's a writer researcher she did a few uh, she was also a cinematographer I think she was involved in some uh, tv productions as well Um, and fun fact the first time that I read through this book after I bought it years ago um, I looked up Carol Rainey on yeah. uh, Facebook and added her as a friend and <laughs> talked oh, to her wow. a few times. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna say
0: I know when you were reading this, you were texting me and you had some, some choice thoughts. <laughs> oh. Seems like Carol Rainey had a very interesting life, uh, to say the least. That's what I got from it. Like she was, okay. I guess, fundamental fundamentalist Christian and was very sheltered. That kind of stuff. Am I flagging
1: your... I'm so glad that you hit on this point. Yeah? Um, Because, uh, let me see. I actually, she makes a claim. So, okay. Carol Rainey. She actually created in me any kind of doubts that I had of the credibility of this book, I have to say come from her. And it goes back to her claim in the introduction that as of the fall of 1995, she had never heard of the term alien abduction. 95? Yeah. Like, as of fall of 95, she—so in the fall of 95, she is in uh, Cape Cod, I think, at this point. And this is, like, when she gets introduced to Bud Hopkins. Mm -hmm. And they're at, like, a convention um, out by the seaside— So they end up taking, like, a romantic stroll by the beach. And and, and this is what she talks about in her introduction. And then she's talking about this, like, kind of romantic walk that she's taking with this silver fox. You know, and and, and she says that as of, like, you know, that time, I'd never even heard the term alien abduction.
0: Well, that seems a little dramatic. But, oh, (coughs) that sounded froggy. But I also can see how if your media, like, if your media is controlled when you're a child, up until 95, like, you might not have had home internet, so, or internet at school.
1: And this, I did go back and forth on this several times, and, like, you're you're hitting on my exact Mm -hmm. thought process that I had. At this time, because then I thought, you know, then I thought, okay, you need to explain this, first of all, that you made it to 1995 without hearing about UFO abductions. (laughs) And then she goes on to say that, uh, you know, that she grew up in a very fundamentalist household and that they didn't really have like TV or media and that she didn't really even know what Elvis looked like when she was like living at home. Yeah, but Elvis was dead. Right. I'm just. Like, she didn't know what Elvis looked like. No, I think that was during his heyday. His heyday, okay. Like I mean, childhood. that doesn't mean anything to me. But I'm, <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to get
0: in the frame of like, you know, I guess for me it'd be like she didn't know what Kurt Cobain looked like. Like everyone yeah, maybe, has seen yeah. Kurt Cobain's face. <laughs> My generation, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, we're the same generation technically. So yeah, you're an elder.
1: We just we just go along that middle part side part division. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> middle you're, part for life. You're you're the middle part part of the generation, and I'm the aerial mermaid side part. <laughs> middle <laughs> like, part for life, bitch. You know what? However you want to part your hair is fine with me because yeah, we're true. all beautiful, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we just
0: like to fight each other. It's really fun. <laughs> no, but anyway.
1: Well, so after she said like she had been raised like that, mm-hmm. I immediately thought okay so maybe she hadn't heard of it you know so maybe that but then again she goes on to say after that when i finally left home and went to college i tried to make up for how sheltered i was by reading and studying everything that i could get my hands on and having as many philosophical conversations as i could possibly have and then For her to say that and then years later she's meeting Bud Hopkins and she's never heard of alien abductions. And then she spends like half a page in her introduction trying to explain how she really, really swears that even though it sounds super unbelievable that she totally pinky promises, guys, (laughs) that she like really had never heard that term. And all I have to say is the truth doesn't need to be explained with half a page of like filler. Or... It doesn't even need to be addressed. Like,
0: no one was asking (laughs) when's the first time you heard the word alien abduction. Like, like no one cares. And if if the title of the book had just been with, you know, the author said Bud Hopkins and Carol Rainey, no one would have questioned it. Like, you don't need Mm -hmm. to justify. He's your husband for goddamn. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't justify it. I'd make my husband put my name on a book. I'd be like that. We wrote that book, bitch.
1: And she was like, I had just never heard of such a thing, but as we got closer exactly. and I got to know the abductees for myself, I begin to see that they were credible witnesses in every single thing that my husband it's, says yeah, is and true. and it seems
0: like she's also just trying to <laughs> hype up her man, you know, like, she's trying to make, she's doing that classic thing where you try to make yourself look dumb because it makes your man look smart. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's really, like, like, he taught me everything and there was so much to learn. It's like, yeah, because you hadn't heard the words he was, alien abduction before. He was older before.
1: than me, but but he was so handsome and dreamy and he walked by the uh, beach with me and talked to me about alien abductions. You know, abductions. I think that an
0: older man could also <laughs> seduce me with alien abduction stories.
1: <laughs> I love Ooh, A Little Touch Grey. me of gray. Up, <laughs> I read all of this so you don't have to. Although, that being said, I have to say, at the end of the day, I do recommend this book. It is entertaining as hell. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it really is. And the abduction stories just get more and more grandiose and amazing. Um, So, uh, but according to Bud Hopkins, the hallmarks of of, of an alien abduction includes, but is not limited to, missing time events, scarring of the body. Screen memories or memories that are uh, falsely implanted over the memory of the abduction. So like maybe a memory that just doesn't really, that kind of sticks out, doesn't make sense. It seems like it, you know, you have trouble connecting it to like maybe the rest of the situation surrounding it that you can't recall. Um, temporary paralysis, nosebleeds, um, feelings of agitation and upset surrounding the abduction event sometimes lasting several days and repeated events of this nature throughout a person's lifetime and also recalled abduction experiences under hypnotic regression therapy. And I want to know, what do you think about hypnotic regression therapy, Mel?
0: Well, to be fair, I did not know anything until we started this. Um, I think that's true of me too. (laughs) Yeah. I have read communion and I was just uh, trying to open up my notes on that, <laughs> which means Google it because I forgot to write notes on it. <laughs> but I, I read it quite a while ago. But um, where was I going with this? Hypnotic regression. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a psychologist. But I like I've said before, I tend to believe the witness. Now, I do think that there are researchers who just in their zeal – to prove their side right will sway you know this type of evidence because they want it to be real and I'm not accusing Bud Hopkins of that that would be what I would look for in a hyp- hypnotist interested in doing this work you know if I was trying to go through it so that's my only thing with it is it seems easy to manipulate from my unex- uneducated point of view
1: so tell me about it I mean um well, the hypnotic regression, I think, is what makes Bud Hopkins' research stand out. Because he's kind of like a titan mm-hmm. um, among uh, UFO yeah. researchers. I
0: believe Bud Hopkins was the man who hypnotized Willie Streber. Um, who did who who wrote the book Communion? Yes, who wrote the book Communion. Sorry, I should mention that. Communion by Willie Streber came out, I think, in the 80s. Um and it was well, he was one of the first people to come out with like a huge um book about it. He was already an author before this ha- kind of happened to him, so that was lucky. Um but it's a great book, super scary, super freaky. <laughs> Took me a long time to get through because I had to keep starting and stopping. But uh, kind of a seminal book on this topic. But I think that this book does he mention communion at all?
1: Uh no, I didn't I didn't see that, but to be fair, um this uh this book is only one of like many that bud hopkins has written about uh ufo's yeah. and different aspects of it so just because it's not in this book in particular i wouldn't say that i i would i would have every reason to think that he's probably mentioned somewhere in uh bud hopkins history of you know his his literature somewhere in his literature.
0: Yeah, I was just curious. So that's really my only experience with hypnotic regression. Oh, and of course,
1: Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Oh, true that which movie, which was scariest. Yeah, and that also involved uh, screen memories as well. Yeah, that, that's all a really the scary movie. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in like a found footage alien horror that is really really believable and terrifying, mm-hmm. and it's, it's like on... true story format.
0: Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime Video, not an advertisement. We just really want you to watch the movie. Yeah, like just watch it, yeah.
1: (laughs) If someone, if by some luck you knew somebody that used to work at a Blockbuster and they somehow have like a DVD copy, then you know, watch that too. My college town
0: had a family video still, which they're common in the Midwest. And it was amazing. I loved going there and picking (laughs) out videos all the time. It felt like we were in the 90s again. Yeah, that's always a good day. Not that I lived through the 90s. I was four in the end of the 90s, so oops.
1: Well, Carol Rainey makes um, an impassioned argument, like, in favor of Bud Hopkins' research and his uh, hypnotic regression, which I will just want to say first that my take on it is that I think that it's very, very easily contaminated with false memories Um, so I think that it's really, really important that you're able to consider the entire picture and maybe have, like, the actual transcript. What do you mean by false memories? Like, are these,
0: those screen memories, are these dreams mixed in?
1: So when I say that, like, hypnotic regression is really, um prone to uh, the implantation of false memories, what I mean is that uh, people in a hypnotic state are highly suggestible. Mm -hmm. And therefore, while I I admit that it may be possible that they're able to pull out memories that they might not otherwise be able to access, I also think that the fact that they're in that state means that they're vulnerable to suggestion. Mm -hmm. So the line of questioning and also like the discussion around the topic that any like history of discussion that that person has had with the interviewer, the one doing the hypnotizing yeah. would be important because I, I just would think that otherwise it would really taint, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the results essentially.
0: Yeah, I agree. So well, I, I just sense. think
1: it's so easily corrupted that you can't take it at its face. Yeah. Not that it's impossible. I'm just want take on it. So does that mean that you
0: don't believe any of these stories?
1: Um, I would not say that I just think that that's my that's my little like skeptic pill that I try to take with every yeah okay you know, with every rabbit take hole twice yeah like food. exactly <laughs> <laughs> so so it's just my little dose of skepticism I like to think of myself as a skeptic who likes to wander off and enjoy like fun things but it doesn't mean I don't believe things either Uh, But Carol Rainey says that our current scientific understanding of the universe is totally incapable of explaining certain areas of human experience. Um, Without any ready tools, mainstream science tends to ignore paranormal and anomalous experiences such as telepathy, precognition, and any form of mystical experience, including near-death experiences or a feeling of oneness within the universe, no matter how often reported. So she goes on to make the argument that not only is it important for the future of humanity for us to study and master this phenomena, but it's necessary for the survival of our species as a whole, um, which I think crosses over the line into occultish territory. I think it makes a
0: lot of assumptions, <laughs> like, <laughs> like why, why? i <laughs> like, that's my, like why, why is it? I do they think that? I mean, I I know what's coming. Uh, I don't want to spoil the ending of our a whole thing, but I – why? <laughs> that's all I'm going to – that's all I, I can say. Hopefully Here, by the thinking, end of this,
1: I can give you an answer to why. Yes. I, I'm hoping I can, okay. <laughs> according to them.
0: I also have a question. Did we mention Carol Rainey's qualifications? Like, does she have
1: a an education or is uh, it just yeah, – like Yeah, she used to be – yeah, she used to be – A literature and writing professor. Okay, so she has yeah. So, but her, but her, um, her background is mainly in, I would say, writing, research, and production. Yeah, so that's kind of her thing. Well, that is, that makes me feel a lot better about the things she's saying.
0: Not to, not to be rude or imply anything about Carol Rainey, because girl, you sound like a boss babe. (laughs) Absolutely. But I did I wanted to make sure this isn't one of those situations where like Bud Hopkins just has like a really devoted wife who's like, oh, yeah, I'm here for this. I will say everything in your book intro, you know, like and maybe (laughs) she's not actually involved, but seems very clearly to me that she is involved and very smart. And
1: And they each do their own intros and they each Mm -hmm. write different chapters, too, because it was so funny. Do they sound different? They do sound different, but there was a few times where I found myself like trying to keep a time frame because I was still trying to catch her up in that lie. Like what I think is a lie <laughs> that I think she lied. I think she lied about um, never, never having heard of an alien abduction as of 1995. I, I, I just mean, I a straight I up like... just, it's a lie. And
0: my experience, my experience probably isn't even relevant. Like, I grew up in a family where we didn't, we talked about everything. And I remember knowing about alien abductions. Like, I think, but as long as I've had consciousness, like, you know, I, it's always been a thing I knew in my greater knowledge. Like, I don't understand.
1: Back in 1995, those little green aliens were a 50 cent sticker at the Pizza Hut. So you can't tell me, like, I I just, I I just can't. So Mm -hmm. anyway, like... The only reason I even questioned her integrity was because that that is such a fantastic statement to Mm -hmm. say that, you know, that you lived in this world with a hunger for knowledge and and studying as much as you can and being open eyed and aware of what's going on and never having heard of that concept when it was like a part of the zeitgeist Mm of Culture at that point. So, how and did you miss out on that?
0: How old was she in '95? At least I, in her she 30s. was an
1: adult. I mean, yeah, yeah well, because if she's a adult, professor in school, maybe I mean, not quite middle aged yet, or maybe yeah. maybe middle aged. Who knows? That's something absurd. like that, but definitely no older than 20s. Do you think if we
0: roast her enough, she'll unfriend you on Facebook? Oh,
1: <laughs> if she would she just, doesn't know your I would last be names. so happy if she just noticed me. I would take that as, like, the ultimate compliment. Mm, sure. And, like, I appreciate that she always took the time to respond, even though, like, my messages that I sent, I've sent her, like, two messages, and they're both, like, fangirling. <laughs> I'm just, like, you know. So. Who would you be if you weren't fangirling? <laughs> uh, well... okay (laughs) oh so it's like they so this book builds up to like a really it starts out by talking about really um interesting scientific technology that we have and then it ends with like a very frightening conclusions um about what the alien agenda is and what it's all for And they um, so but the first thing they do is they start to talk about like, we don't want you to think that we're crazy. Um, You know, this is, this is like some of the things that are on like the, the fringes of science right now. Like, but when I say fringes, I mean, recently discovered, Um, you know, that explain in some way, alien technology, like when applied to the macro scale that we have micro instances of technology. And and one of them is, like, the, the uh, tractor beam or the, you know, the beam me up Scotty, which, of course, was never said in the original Star Trek. It's just, like, a meme mm-hmm. that exists and lives. But anyway... Um, <laughs>
0: They, my father-in-law would love that you pointed that out so here's to you guy <laughs> thinking about you as we record we should watch star trek because i've never oh, seen love, it love, and he's probably gonna hear amazing. that and now he's gonna make oh, me watch I love it. it oh no he's we'll been to, dying to get, to get me to watch it if he
1: doesn't want if if they don't want to watch it okay guy if they don't want to watch it <laughs> at mel's house you can come over and we'll make steaks and we'll watch it on my big screen oh we can okay, all get forget, together you know and i'm just and watch it That's a a family event where I come from. Mm. (laughs) Um, We actually have some form of tractor beam technology. But what we've been able to do is it's called optical tweezers. And so we've been able to focus like beams of light at a really, really small level to move like photons around. Mm. Um and you know so it's it's on like a very micro scale but it does we have we are able to use light to pick up and hold particles and move them. The other thing we have, uh, that aliens may potentially also make use of on a better scale is we do have LED masking technology, so Ooh. we have the ability to coat, essentially coat a craft in like an LCD, um outer layer I guess and it has cameras on each side and um, you know one camera takes in what's what the visuals are on one side and then projects it through to the other so that you have essentially an invisible craft. I've read about this I remember
0: hearing it in reference to uh, like camouflage on bodies like they were trying to make it so that you wear like a camera on your chest and it reflects it takes what's in front of you and puts it on your back. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, you th- you hear these things like I see them on my you know my phone. They just pop up on Google or whatever. But you never think of them in reference to aliens.
1: Yeah. Like yeah, of
0: course aliens could use that to hide a spaceship in the sky, but that's not that's not something that's on my radar when
1: I open up Google. That's crazy. I don't know. I did save the most. Staggering piece of technology for last, like the Mm -hmm. technology that I didn't even believe in originally. Like when I read it in the book, I was like, you guys are literally shitting me. (laughs) But apparently um, we have uh, managed to exceed the speed of light by essentially encouraging pulses of light to travel in a bunch, which gives them group velocity is what they called it. So the conclusion of the experiment was that uh, when the speed of light is exceeded even by a factor of 1 300th, the light appears to travel backwards in time. And this may explain missing time events or time dilations around the areas of purported abductions. Okay, so let me...
0: I need to summarize this out loud so I can wrap my brain around it. So... If aliens are using technology to slow down time, stop time, or time travel, that means that they are able to gather light pulses Mm -hmm. and squish them together so that they, they then act as a group and move fast enough that they just exceed time. That time does not become a factor in their existence because we perceive them as moving backwards but that to me means that they can go you know up down all around Exactly. (laughs) so okay so that's what that means so that means they basically have have proven that time means nothing then
1: absolutely which is oh i love that
0: (laughs) i love that we say that all the time i say that all the time i have adhd and i always say like time means nothing to me i can't sense it i can't get a grasp on like how long it takes me to do something or drive somewhere, I have zero idea. So
1: and keep in mind that this um, exceeding the speed of light, the LED cloaking, um, and what was the other thing that I mentioned too, um, the optical tweezers, like these are all things, I cross check them from the book. Um, I cross checked the studies that were cited and uh, this is actual real technology that we have. Um, or at least, even if the experiments haven't been repeated or, like, further expounded upon, uh, this was research and development that happened. So yeah. we know, like, these are things we've accomplished and we've done. Um, but let me tell you, there are some <laughs> really creepy stories in this book. Like, in one of them. You know, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go. I have a comment about this one. In one of them. A lady mentioned only as Joan sends Bud a letter in which she describes, quote, a virtual lifetime of anomalous events involving herself and her family members, strange figures in her room, episodes of extended physical paralysis, missing time, and other experiences typical of UFO abductions. According to Joan, She had laid her two older children down for a nap on the second story of the apartment, while she took the youngest downstairs to be changed. She was not sure if she heard something or if she just had a feeling, but she ran back upstairs suddenly to check on her children, only to find the screen missing from the open window and the children gone from their beds. When she ran to look out the window, she saw nothing on the ground below. After a frantic search of the house, she unlocked the apartment door and ran outside. Her two children were found piled on top of one another at the bottom of the cement cellar steps. They did not cry or speak as if they were winded. Joan called for help and a neighbor, who de- and a neighbor loaded them into the back of a car and took them to the doctor, who declared them perfectly healthy without a scratch. When the children began to talk again, they both said that they were leaning out of the window to look at the, quote, silver airplane, and that afterward they floated down. You
0: know, this brings up just so much. First of all, holy crap. So these kids just magically floated to the ground and didn't hurt themselves. And this brings up a whole other thing of how much of children's testimonies can we accept as truth? Because children, I, you know, I did go to school to be in education, but I still, I didn't get a lot of early children education classes. I don't know how much we can trust what kids say. Like, I know that we can trust them to tell them, like, to tell us when they're being abused and stuff. I know about that kind of thing. But in terms of trying to figure out what they actually saw that day and a child being able to, if this is, you know, if any of this is real, being able to discern between an abduction experience and real life,
1: is that even possible?
0: That's just a thought. <laughs>
1: I mean, you, you bring up a really good question, but here I think in this situation and like the other thing uh, that not only were the cellar stairs like three stories below the apartment window, but they were also seven feet over to the left and oh, wow. being that the only other exit out the apartment was the door which was locked from the inside so is she it... unlocked it to get out so somehow those kids went out the window i mean that's the only way they could have gone out is if they went out the window and you know how ha- explain make it make sense my only explanation
0: and I'm not, I'm not defending i I'm, I'm prone to believe the alien abduction <laughs> prone to believe every story baby um but i might the only reason the only way i can see this work is if that girl or girl i say little girl i just assume they're all female because that's me um if one of the children picked up the other child and then leaped out the window to the left or right was it left yeah to uh-huh. the left you know, so that they were able to, because I bet a kid could get seven feet by the time they hit the ground. But
1: that doesn't explain the fact that they weren't hurt after falling three yeah. stories. Like, yeah, you the would doctors break your said legs. they were fine, and the kids, the kids act like they were fine. I mean, they didn't. They, they were crying. They or said scared. that they were winded. Possibly, mm-hmm. it was like they weren't even certain if they were really winded. But yeah, and kids will cry say because they're
0: scared. Like kids will cry even if they're not hurt because they're yeah. shocked. And the fact that they're not even crying or giving any reaction is weirder than if they had been crying.
1: And they were sitting one on top of the other. That's just so Like weird. at the
0: bottom of the cellar stairs. It's so odd. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit in Missing 411. But there's something about a non-human phenomena that can never quite get things right. Like, it never quite hits the mark. Like, with skinwalkers, there, there's something off about them. And with alien abductions, like, they can never quite get a screen memory that just feels right, you know, or, or put the kids back in the right spot. They were close. They were 37 feet off, but
1: they, they missed it. Here's another really chilling abduction story from the book, okay? Brisbane, Australia, 1978. Sam and Jenny decide to take their kids to the park. And during their visit, they pose for pictures with Sam and Jenny taking turns with the camera so everybody can kind of get in a photo. And then after taking these pictures, suddenly everyone in the family felt really odd, like uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and they just wanted to leave. Okay. And then food poisoning, maybe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's my first thought of that. Sure. Sorry. Um, they all reported feeling hazy for the rest of the day. Um, when the camera roll was developed, the family was actually missing out of three of the eight photos that were taken that day. Weird. Um, the ones in which the family were missing looked like an empty landscape. Like it was just, you know, they were just missing from the photos Weird. and the, uh, photos had a strange red tint to them. Okay. So can I, Mm -hmm. can I go? So. What what this
0: what I guess they're saying is that they were abducted in the split second between the f- like of the photo snapping yes and then were put back by the time they stopped posing for the photo yes so that I mean they'd have to use that time travel technology I mean obviously
1: right I mean that you know I think that's why they explained the concept of. You know, using light mm-hmm. to accelerate into like yeah, slow down the passage of time. Like I think they build that up so that they can explain these stories, yeah. and then they make sense. Okay, well, keep telling me more. Cause oh sure. Um, so upon examination of those photos, they appeared to be damaged by radiation exposure. Okay, like oh yeah,
0: that reminds me. Do you remember the podcast I told you to listen to? Um it's uh, astonishing legends it's called abduction at devil's den and there's a, it's a man they interviewed terry lovelace and he is an author and an an abductee who tells his story and he has a radiation like burn and poisoning like a low level when after his abduction experience wow. and um, he is a um, what's amazing about his story is he's a really credible witness he's in he's in the air force uh, while it when it
1: happens to him, you know, so it's anyway. funny that you mention radiation because those well you mentioned uh, radiation well <laughs> well actually what I was gonna <laughs> okay drink, all right all right have okay have some of
0: that juice I made for you yeah
1: oh thank you so, <laughs> so much sorry. let me have a sip of I... this fresh fruit juice fresh pressed juice can I so tell I can get all my is, vitamins what it's made of.
0: In my uh, podcast stupor, like, like after a while of sitting here and recording, you start to think of nothing but the recording. Mm-hmm. And I was pouring uh, Stella drink and I poured some Chardonnay and then I took my box of rosé and added some rosé to her
1: Chardonnay.
0: So now she's got this beautiful orange juice ghetto mimosa, which is what we call them.
1: I just call any kind of mixture like that jungle juice. <laughs> it's pretty good not gonna lie okay sorry we don't no, have to know um, that so those pictures like if you were to compare those those uh pictures and the radiation damage that they have they are very similar to pictures taken at chernobyl oh like around the time yeah around the time of the so big an, a nuclear lot of meltdown radiation. yeah this isn't like a little bit of radio like a touch. no yeah
0: yeah this mm-hmm. is a, a hefty sprinkle exactly a hefty sprinkle a hefty sprinkle mm-hmm Well, you know, so, so I assume, I mean, obviously, so tell us about, tell us more about what these people experienced because that I would, you know, I'm forever looking at things from that asshole Bacon's perspective. We don't have to include that, but, uh,
1: well, uh, actually both Sam and Joan were given hypnotic regression mm, therapy years later. And each of them gives a startling account that seems to complement the other's recollection, like, very well. Like, they were separately, yeah. yeah. Um, Joan recalls her and the children being pulled into the sky by a large beam of light. And uh, then they were confronted by terrifying creatures that performed all of the typical weird probing experiments before returning them to the ground. And uh, during Sam's regression session, <laughs> he recalls essentially being trapped in his body and unable to move. So I guess at the moment of the abduction, uh, he was looking through the camera lens and taking pictures mm-hmm. while the rest of his family was being pulled aboard the oh, ship. And he was just frozen. Exactly. Okay, And they're actually thinking that the action of freezing him is what caused him to press the camera. Button oh, to, to press th- the shutter.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that the word? The shutter? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I think that it's
0: really common. I don't know how acquainted with people, with alien objections, people are going to be. So that's the only reason I say this. I don't want it to sound condescending. But um, that is super common. Um, the, uh, you know, regression and then regression bringing out fear. You know, and it reminds me so much of I... In college, we would trap, you know, wild animals for science. You know, we're not hurting them or anything. We're just tagging them or, you know, measuring them or whatever. But they are terrified. And Mm -hmm. it probably hurts them. And it seems like these abductees who tell their stories, they were terrified. They were in pain. And these creatures uh, acted toward them with no empathy or care or maybe just ambivalence towards what they were – like they couldn't understand – And that's very much how it feels to me, like, how we look at animals in cages. You know, we care for their well-being, but we don't necessarily understand the depth of what they feel, so.
1: Yeah, and that's actually one of the scarier implications of the book is, like, you know, why haven't they reached out to us and, like, explain their agenda or their plan or whatever but then like we don't explain to the mice that we experiment on exactly like what we're doing we we don't talk to them about it either and it's like kind of on the same yeah and I've said this before
0: you know they don't have human intentions it's not human we can't can't possibly begin to understand another species intention especially in this kind of scale where they're collecting us and then probing us um yeah I I think I remember hearing about that in like the mothman type uh stuff you know like the these this phenomena
1: doesn't have human intentions and therefore we can't explain it with our human logic and one thing that I happen to notice in all of these abduction stories um that I was reading about in the book is that there's always this state of like agitated confusion mm. afterwards mm-hmm. that these people experience like they just you know they they do things that are like they they're irrationally angry or upset or like disoriented or mm-hmm. essentially traumatized I guess just for the rest yeah. of the day you know it, it just that that mm-hmm. seems to be like a really compelling thread that I see that connects a lot of these stories together because that's the one thing I'm looking for too is just like what are all of these common themes and I should I want to mention too like, The trauma that these abductee victims, you know,
0: whether or not you believe it's real or not, it gives them trauma. And so we should treat them with, you know, all the respect that we like give other victims of trauma. The trauma that these abductees face is very real, you know, whether what no matter what we think about it. And I remember Whitley Streber mentioning in Communion that uh, one of the things that before he even remembered any of his abduction experiences, and as he was um, just about to kind of remember them, he realized he was walking around his house at night and, you know, locking all the doors and just circling the house and looking under all the beds and in the closets. And he didn't quite understand why, but he had an uneasy feeling about his environment. And, you know, that sounds a lot, my therapist would say, <laughs> that sounds a lot like hypervigilance. You know, like if you have trauma about Did something. Did his wife
1: end up leaving him over that?
0: no. This okay. is a different – that might have happened in another story. I, I'm just but, trying to say maybe I did you know, read his story. Whitley Streeper's wife, she actually came, became really involved in his research, helped him write his next couple of books. And she underwent hypnotic regression as well. And basically, oh, her story is cool. She talks about how she is like a – we should just do a whole communion episode. But uh, she talks about how she is like a protector. Like her job is to protect Whitley no matter what these, these things do to him. And she's there to to make sure that he never realizes that it's real. It's really creepy. Like you you see how these things have, um, a, you know, not like they haven't created a timeline or a narrative, but they have implied things in these people's subconsciouses that leads them to form their own. You know, maybe they've been, they've given this implication to her once or twice that you need to keep him quiet about this. And it stays with you. There's something about these experiences that that give you deep trauma and they deeply change the way you act as a human. And that seems real. You know, I mean, no matter what you think they're actually going through, that is real. And you can't make that up. You can't force your body to undergo trauma reactions. You know, it's not like hypochondria, like it's not like I can convince myself that I have COVID probably and start losing my sense of smell, but I can't convince myself that I've been probed
1: by aliens and, you know, have the trauma to prove it. So, so generally I would say that with all these stories of alien abduction, you know, that that's kind of where they leave it. Like in all, in other collections that I've read, they're like, these are the experiences that we've had. And like, it means that more research needs to be done, but that is not at all where Bud Hopkins leaves this topic. It actually goes on like that's just the beginning of the rabbit hole. So they're like, okay, now we've pretty well established that we kind of have some of the technology that the aliens might have just in a more advanced form that would show that they're able to abduct us at will. But is it possible that they live among us? Mm do you remember that
0: clickbaity article it was like a meme from forever ago and it was like british scientist says that aliens are already among us and it's this really (laughs) creepy looking guy like it's like he's the alien like it's him
1: (laughs) well like i mean definitely a similar energy going on here Mm -hmm. and like this is this is what they have to say about it um If we accept that thousands of well-investigated UFO abduction cases provide authoritative evidence that non-human alien beings are visiting our planet, we must now consider the unsettling possibility that they are also living on Earth. They may be only temporary residents, but they are operating unnoticed among humans, helping to facilitate an as-yet-undisclosed agenda. It sounds pretty sinister, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I... But you know, so
0: before we started this, I've had a change of heart in the last 40 minutes. Before we started this, I was like, you know, that agenda seems pretty dramatic, like seems a little suspicious. But now I'm like I'm thinking about the trauma that I remember reading about in Communion and just the trauma of that one one story we talked about, my bad. And uh I, I can see why you might think that their intentions are negative. So, that's all. Sorry, all I wanted to interject with.
1: Well, I mean, Bud Hopkins' opening to this chapter is kind of that segue into a greater conversation about transgenic beings. So, mm-hmm. basically what he is saying is that aliens have visited us, they do visit us, and they sometimes mm-hmm. also create alien-slash-human-hybrid creatures. <laughs> You know, (laughs) it just – it sounds – the reason I'm not
0: giggling is because it sounds crazy, but it also follows the narrative of almost every piece of alien, like, like media I've taken in in the last 10 years. Like, I feel like every, like, Love and Saucers is that documentary we talked about Uh where that guy claims he's had relationships for years. Um, Like, I just think it's a narrative somehow that got in there that – aliens are trying to create a race with us i mean isn't there like that i've seen that stupid meme of like the alien and the chimp with the human baby like have you seen that <laughs> no I haven't seen uh, we that. should put that in the show notes <laughs> or something <laughs> we will find it but anyway uh it doesn't seem
1: like a crazy idea to me well,
0: what do you think listener well, <laughs> just kidding
1: <laughs> i um i'm just particularly excited for this next part all right, let's do it's it. the weird alien sex stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right, that my straight days and days. It's time for some intergalactic smut. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, a lesser known and talked about aspect of the OG abduction story of Betty and Barney Hill in 1957 was the sex stuff. Like, and you can imagine why they wouldn't really report back, report on that back then. Yeah, like, kind of
0: a product of its mm-hmm.
1: time thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, you know, so it wasn't really widely reported at the time, but she said that she had been given a gynecological exam and she was tested for pregnancy through her navel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Barney reported that samples were taken of his seminal fluid. Um, but at the time, Betty's report that she had been tested for pregnancy through her navel made no sense because medical science didn't have any kind of testing like that. But now we do. Oh, like ultrasounds? Is that but, like we are able about? to test for all kinds of like we're able to do genetic testing like of a, of a oh, fetus. Oh, it makes my belly button tingle like, even that. thinking about yeah, it. I'm just saying really like they're able, I, I'm, you know, I'm just saying like
0: <laughs> she okay. talked
1: about something in 1957 mm-hmm. that we're only just now able to do yeah so like you know that means something i uh, it's something you know it's i have to mention it even if even if it's uncomfortable i
0: have to mention it (laughs) it's only uncomfortable for Um, me for some reason i don't like things touching my belly
1: button i (laughs) mean but admittedly that is a very vanilla example of some smut but you can imagine at the time it would have been absolutely scandalous Mm -hmm. like but we can get dirtier <laughs> i guess so is that a challenge <laughs> no, in 1965 a story was published in a small unnamed british ufo magazine about a man named antonio villas Boas, mm-hmm. who claimed that he was abducted and compelled to have sex with a small humanoid alien um he described her as having quote whitish blonde hair a wide face with prominent cheekbones and a pointed chin he also said she had large blue eyes that were longer than they were around, which I thought was the Sounds creepiest. like Squidward. Yeah, like longer <laughs> than they were around, like literally Squidward. And maybe this is all just like a Squidward fanfic, but it's in 65. So, um, but apparently, uh, so he, uh, she forced him to have sex with her like two times in rapid succession. Okay. And then, um, After the second round of intercourse, she spooned from the side of his penis a small sample of sperm and placed it in a vial. Okay, wait. Can we just be gross? Are you implying that she, like, spooned
0: skin out of his penis? Or was there just, like, some liquid on his body that she picked up for a sample? Let Let me be, take a drink to a be to be PG I'm not Not that real. we're PG. Oh, I'm Did not you? ready for this question. Okay, well, you brought on. it up. <laughs> like you brought up the story and it makes like it's it makes a difference because I know that you have said that Hopefully all the children are in bed by now. <laughs> I really hope that no one's listening to our podcast. With their little children around. I hope that no one's listening ever.
1: Don't listen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like after you listen to the first one with like seven F-bombs, you would have gotten the picture. Yeah. And we're going to maybe try to get better
1: about that. Maybe not. Fuck it. It depends. (laughs) Fuck it. No, but anyway, what I assume happened is that she, after the second round, she disembarked and then... Scooped up some juice and put
0: it in a vial. That sounds like some very thorough science. I mean, in all reality, two samples to get Mm -hmm. pregnant with, Mm -hmm. a sample for collection and record keeping. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like, it sounds like, you know, in high school in FFA, you learn about like A.I., I don't know. It sounds like something I would have learned in an artificial insemination class. So,
1: am I jaded that I think that this story is like just a big humble brag?
0: It reminds me of those stories on Reddit on TIFU, Today I Fucked Up, where they're like, Today I fucked up by accidentally having a threesome. It was the (laughs) worst. Right. (laughs) And it's like, you're just humble bragging. Like, I don't want to (laughs) be. I do get this feeling that this isn't you know, a sexual description. Maybe you read the book. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm just reading from your notes. But you have quotes. And um, it seems to me that he's not describing this in a sexual way. I mean, he seems like he's trying to be descriptive, you know, and everyone's got their weird thing. Maybe he gets off on describing it in a scientific way. Yeah, but I
1: just can't help but think that maybe he gets his kicks by – You know, releasing like, he, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to imagine at that time, like if you were an exhibitionist, that your opportunities would be smaller. (laughs) You know, you just wouldn't have as many opportunities to do your do your thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, who's to say? But, uh, you know, afterward, he was left feeling angry and said that he had just been used as, quote unquote, a good stallion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That there's the <laughs> exhibitionist right okay, there. Yeah.
0: There's the like. Oof. That's that's. <laughs> oh is go. what that makes me say. Ope, <laughs> oof. Um. Yeah. Let's move on from that
1: one. I I'll think so, about it. Yeah. That's what makes me think it's some kind of bizarre humble brag. But um but you know also thinking about the fact that Bud Hopkins put these in his book. Mm-hmm.
0: Like so I want to know his vetting process. I want to know. I guess I, I probably won't because he's dead. But uh, rest in peace, Bud Hopkins. But mm-hmm. um, I, that's just a thought running through my head. It's like he obviously chose to put it in his book. But he also decided to put Carol Rainey's, I've never heard of alien objections before, Bud. You're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that's how that feels to me. So. I'd
1: never even heard of such a thing. My I was like a virgin, innocent flower. What an educated, intelligent man. He you came are. and pollinated my brain with all kinds of new information. <laughs> like a honeybee to a flower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, oh, yeah. that should be the introduction for every one of our podcasts. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. There's also. Um, there's many stories of fetuses going missing in pregnant women, um, including an obstetric obstetrics nurse whose fetus disappeared at the five month mark. And uh, some abductees recall being re abducted and reunited briefly with these missing children in subsequent episodes for short bonding sessions.
0: So. That's creepy yeah is that's terrifying (laughs) yeah like hey we're gonna impregnate you put you through hormonal hell then we're gonna take your baby out of you but you're gonna see it like an adoptive parent like you're gonna see it every five years and you get to know that it's alive but yeah that's (laughs) it and it's like oh my god what kind of nightmare
1: yeah really
0: a lot of these things are nightmarish and now i'm kind of i'm feeling like i understand bud hopkins perspective towards the end a little bit you know that this is like a survival thing because it is terrifying
1: what they're doing so another unsettling question to consider that i'm going to quote directly from the book that after it goes on to talk about you know we, we talked about those but uh quoting from the book how many of you as young job applicants were ever personally invited to apply for a vaguely specified job Interviewed in a deserted building with minimal furniture and no signs of ongoing business and were distinctly aware of sexual overtones in your interview with a boss um, who seemed to have paranormal abilities, who knew your intimate secrets from childhood up till the day before. I have three similar abduction scenarios centered around that that, I'm, that I've collected. So the first is Terry. And she was 16 years old. A man approaches her at the pizza parlor um, and he offers her, he says, hey, I am hiring for a position. Why don't you come and see me at this address tomorrow and I'll give you an interview for the job. I think you'll be a great fit. So uh, she goes home to her mom and her mom, for whatever reason, just agrees to the 16-year-old, you know, going to.
0: (laughs) I want to touch on that, but mark that.
1: Right? Should I do it now? Yeah, yeah, it's go ahead, common. Touch on that.
0: It's it just seems like another common thread in a lot of these abduction stories and a lot of paranormal phenomena. You know, Bigfoot, skinwalkers, especially orbs and stuff like that. The the more fringy stuff, the more likely you are to just completely accept it. It's mm-hmm. like there's this mind altering component to whatever it is, and it will it will convince you or others in your immediate vicinity to just. Go along with whatever's going on. And it's like, what is the intention of that? Why does it want you to just go along with it? So that's my Yeah, that's and, my and I mean,
1: the mom, the mom, like, doesn't question it mm-hmm. and drives her the next day to a creepy looking abandoned office oh. building. Sounds like how um, to get serial killed. <laughs> yeah, really. So she goes in there to the uh, interview with this man and he knows, like, intimate details about her life. Like, like, he's able to tell her what she had for breakfast. He's able to tell her. Does he yeah. just come up and he's like, I know what you had for breakfast. He, well. Oh, man. Like, it, it's just in this book, like, the whole, um, he, Bud Hopkins includes the whole transcript mm-hmm. of his conversation with her, like, oh, wow. in this book. And, and I mean, but that's just the gist of it, um. Uh, is just that he knows all these details about her life, like, and he, including that she had just lost her virginity the day before with her boyfriend. Wow! So, like, he told her about that after they have that conversation. She goes with him to a second location. Oh no, girl! I know you
0: never go to the second location. Exactly. Okay, and like, hold yeah. on. If mm-hmm. if women don't know this, I guess men too, but women mostly. Yeah. If you don't know this, mm-hmm. if you are, God forbid, you are in any type of situation where someone is trying to take you and harm you, you do not let them take you to the second location. If it means jumping let out them of a kill car. You there. Killing yourself, not killing yourself, that sounds dramatic, but jumping out of a car, hurting them, like, because the the statistics say that if they take you to a second location, you're You're probably not going to make it out. So fight Mm -hmm. for your life. (laughs) I'm getting chills now thinking about it because it's – you'd be surprised, like, how blasé – I'm – of course I'm a woman – how I feel about my own personal safety sometimes until you're in a situation where it's compromised and then you realize – Holy shit, I've been so blasé about this, and now I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, even if it's not super dangerous. And
1: that's part of, like, that's part of the case for why they say that uh, these beings have telepathy, Mm. You know, like that they have they have ability to do mind control because she's still after that conversation where he yes. tells her all these things that he knows about her. Yeah, she still if, goes with him to the second location. Yeah,
0: if I went to a job interview in a random building and this guy was like, "Oh, so you lost your virginity to your boyfriend last night?" I would, I would, freak the Scream, fuck out, right? And I would nope out right? of there. Nope, I would nope, call my nope, mom. Nope. I would run out the front of the building. Mm-hmm. I would not be like, "Oh yeah, let's go look at your office at a second location." Like.
1: and that's exactly what the second location is like it's her quote unquote office so he takes her to like another kind of abandoned office building and takes her up to like an, an abandoned floor and all that's in it is like a desk, a chair, a wastebasket and like a map on a wall and he was like Starting to explain to her like what her job would be, but then he starts making these really, really fumbling like sexual passes at her yeah. that almost are like so fumbling that they're not meant to be. It's almost like he is trying way too hard. Like he's not like he's doing acting it right. out something maybe that he
0: learned about human behavior, mm-hmm. but that he's not a human, so he can't which behave is what correctly. I,
1: which is where we're gonna get to.
0: Yeah. So can I can I make some conclusions, or you just want to keep going? I'll just make sure that that's
1: all the deals. Okay, Um, just to finish that. um, Yeah, he makes that awkward pass at her that seems like very over the top and exaggerated, almost like just not right. Um, But she still gets back in the car with him, Mm -hmm. and he takes her back to her mom. And she felt like her body was under his control the whole time. So. And, and then, like the hypnotic regression sessions followed these, all of these experiences that like included more details. Yeah, but.
0: it's just crazy. Like, what do they? What do they stand to gain? Do right. they just want to impregnate these women with alien babies? Is that the gist of it? Why make, if you if you're possible if it's possible for you to abduct people, why put them? Th- why do this weird thing where you you play a play an act? Or play a theater, you know, when you can just like light beam them up and impregnate them when they're when they're you know, like it doesn't make any sense. Makes it, me, it will. Do it you will think make that sense. there are different races of aliens and like maybe several of them are are abducting us and doing these things to us and we wouldn't be able to understand and maybe that's why some of these experiences seem clunky and uneducated and some of them are seamless I because they're different people.
1: I would say that there's like I've seen two de- two major descriptions of aliens like mm-hmm. in my lifetime, and those with the exaggerated eyes, and those with the exaggerated head proportions. So I feel like if anything, maybe there's yeah. two types. I-, I don't know, but I've heard. I will tell I've you, like at least like six or seven
0: different types of aliens. I mean,
1: could be, I mean for sure though, like the main one is the greys. Like that's what you hear everybody talk about, and that's what yeah. they refer to, like in Sight Unseen. Uh, they just mostly refer to grace. That's mostly what I've heard of. You know, it seems like, too, that there's, like, time periods.
0: Like, it's interesting, too. You know, my theory of the universe is that, you know, there's, like, that giant picture of the universe where, like, our Milky Way galaxy is, like, in the corner, you know, and there's all these other stars and planets, and I just kind of think that us as Earth, we're, like, one of those distant planets in Star Wars, you know, like a sand planet that uh, I know it's pretty pretty empty we're kind of on the outskirts of the universe you know our technology is not so great we're kind of crude and there's this whole other galaxy of of culture taking place without us um and it's the these different types of aliens that people have encounters with speak to that speak to that there are different civilizations out there completely unto themselves Uh, in the 60s and 50s it was common to see what were like called the nordics And they were, like, really tall, blonde people who were really beautiful. And um, Orfeo Vacelli or something. (laughs) I I should know the guy's name. We should do one on him. He had a great experience with Nordic alien-type people. So they're called the Nordics, but obviously I'm not talking about Norwegian people. Sorry, Norwegian Um, listeners. Because that's where they were seen? No, because they are, like, blonde, Aryan race-looking people. I don't know who coined it. Sounds well, pretty racist I have, to me. I have
1: three of these uh, job interview stories. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no. It's, this is number two. Okay. Uh, Lisa, in her early 20s, she thinks that it was an ad in the paper, but she's not entirely sure, mm-hmm. like, what it really was. And that, that's creepy, too. Yeah, like, she doesn't quite remember. She's like, I think it was an ad in the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, she shows up to a mostly abandoned building with a receptionist, and she um, asked the receptionist where the ladies' room is. Mm-hmm. And uh, this lady panics <laughs> when Lisa asks her this question, just totally panics. And she ends up just like staring at Lisa for a few minutes and then just like running out of the room like she didn't know what to say. Oh, wow, that's and, not then, and then at that point a black man comes out and he has this presence to him of like former military, like very curt, very like stand you know, standing up straight, not up a in place. Yeah. You know, like very you know, authoritative and all of that. And he ushers her to a back room that only has a desk, a wastebasket, and a water cooler. And um he starts talking to her about this job while he offers her a drink of water from the water cooler. Okay. And uh, this is like a security job. And uh, she remembers thinking, like, I am not thirsty. I don't want any water because I have to pee. That's why I was looking for the ladies room before this interview. Yeah, so, like, before the receptionist yeah, like <laughs> ran away from yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> and she is like, you At know. At that point, you've already <laughs> got to have red flags up. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, and she she was like so... I already have to, yeah, and she's like, I have to pee. I don't want to drink any water, but she just does anyway. She just starts okay. drinking water, and she, he starts droning to her it. about the job. Like, he starts talking to her in, like, a really droning voice, and, like, she doesn't get a chance to say anything in between. And uh, the whole time, like, he's talking to her in this droning voice, and she starts getting sleepier and sleepier, and she can feel herself nodding off, and then the next thing she knows, she's standing up, and he's, like... Telling her how the interview went really great and is like shoving her out the door. Yeah, that's
0: terrifying. I. It sounds a lot like you, They just drugged and hypnotized her straight up. I mean, if I if this were not in the if we weren't talking about aliens right now, I would just say that she maybe had been date raped.
1: Yeah. that's how scary exactly. That feels. And a lot and of them feel that discount, way. Like
0: that's terrifying. I mean, like, they feel that way. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying. Is like the trauma is very similar to like PTSD, like assault like it it reminds you of that and
1: it's like these poor people yeah okay let's go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll come back and do finish this and we're back perfect and the last story (laughs) is sally she gets a call to report for an interview
0: wait can i just interject i'm sorry so these are all three young women yes okay these are women at least in their 20s or younger
1: yep we have a cluster Okay. We go do on. indeed have a cluster. Even more suspicious. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Sally actually reports that she got a call to report for an interview. Mm-hmm. So, like somebody called her house and just said, "You need to report for this job interview." Sounds a little men in
0: blackish.
1: Yeah, it's that's really a, strange. That's a little creepy. Mm-hmm.
0: I would not go to an – like, if someone called me, I'd be like, I didn't sign up for anything. Like, I would be, I would not go to that. Maybe I'm too well, see, that's the
1: thing. Like, she says that normally she would, too. Like, yeah. normally, you know, oh, okay, she was yes, like, but for some the... reason mm-hmm. – Yeah, she's like, for some reason, I took the directions down that they gave me. And, like, I even left early to make sure that I would be there on time. But I didn't have any problem uh, following the directions that they gave me. And I showed up right there. That's and, just crazy. Yeah. And it's uh, a, it's, oh, oh, <laughs> that's the feeling it gives me. Like, oh. Apparently the job was for perfume sales. What the fuck? Yeah. and Who gets so, a, hold,
0: hold, hold yeah. up. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. You are a perfume salesman. <laughs> yeah. Where did you get your job? Did you walk into Macy's and go, oh, I need a minimum wage job because I'm a kid? <laughs> or did you get recruited? Did you get headhunted to sell perfume? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, fair
1: question yeah um, so the male interviewer, um, when you know, she comes in, she sits down to talk with him. It's another like minimally uh, f- like a shop a, a, a business with minimal furniture. So it's like yeah. very bare bones, almost like set dressing. and oh. um, he has all these perfumes like set up on a table, and he says that it's a perfume sales a job. And he puts the perfume under her nose. Mm. And from the moment that he puts the perfume under her nose, and she remembers thinking, like, I don't want to smell it. Like, I don't want to smell it. Don't put it in my nose. And he puts it in her nose. And then the next thing that she remembers is that she's sitting in her car and her pantyhose are on crooked. And like not on all the way. Like, you know how when you put yeah, on a pair of pantyhose yourself, you like to... the crotch, the crotch was like down at the knees, mm-hmm. you know, like so because when you put on pantyhose yourself, like you have to, like, dude, like, jump yeah, into them. Exactly. And you have to like roll it up. And I mm-hmm. was thinking about it while I was reading this story. And I was wondering, like, is it possible to put on someone else's hand, pantyhose like, oh, I've never thought about that as good as you could yourself. Yeah,
0: I can't. <sighs> I I have a hard time dressing babies, (laughs) so I'm probably not a good person to ask for this.
1: Yeah, really.
0: oh, God, that's just, oh, it's so skeevy. It gives me skeevy vibes. She
1: remembers sitting in the car, and she, like, had to readjust her pantyhose, and she doesn't remember, like, anything that happened. I, these all give me,
0: you know, there is, in all of these stories, there is a trigger. In all three of them, there's something that happens um, that suddenly they can't Remember? anything you know so there's the the perfume the glass of water and what was the other one um the uh the awkward the awkward passes that yeah. seemed like the weird thing that was like or maybe the virginity like he knew he knew the weird shit yeah. about her life that one didn't necessarily have a trigger but it was like
1: i just oh it's and she hard. felt like he was controlling like she just did yeah. all those things like under his direction so I would love to know – I know you might not be able to answer this, but it's just a little bit of curiosity.
0: I'd love to know how these women felt about their experiences. Like did they really feel like they were assaulted or did they just feel like, you know, they, they just don't remember?
1: Well, I know that um of the three girls, uh, the the one with the perfume, she actually declined to be mm-hmm. – uh, to go through the – um, The regression. The regression therapy, like hypnosis. I don't doubt
0: – I don't blame people. I don't doubt that her experience might have been something more than she wanted to admit, but I've heard this before on other podcasts and I love the idea. I just think the phenomenon is crazy that there are people who, regardless of whether they think it might be real or not, cannot accept even the idea that this might be a possibility of something that happened to them. And so they reject it. It's like, it's like every other person I meet who's like, ghosts aren't real or, you know, insert whatever isn't real. And it's like, okay is it not real or do you not even want to entertain the idea that it might be real because it'll bring down the world you know it to be you know the world as you know it to be will come crashing down around you because it doesn't fit in Yep. um so
1: yeah and, and like looking back at these stories like the question that i think would be first and foremost on anyone's mind would be why mm-hmm. like why you know agree, yeah. why why, have, are they doing this? why would aliens be interested in having fake job interviews yeah like the theory in the book is that this is actually a form of socialization for the more human-like generations of transgenic beings oh so you think that maybe i'm sorry am i getting ahead of you go ahead i, I mean uh like you think about it this way um an abduction takes place like betty and barney hill okay mm-hmm. and a hybrid is created Like, from that, from the samples taken, a hybrid is created with alien creatures. And then that hybrid is more human, but it's not enough to, like, pass. Okay. But if you repeat the cycle for a few generations, eventually you have something that's neither alien nor human. But the Mm -hmm. gap in appearance may be closed, so it looks like human. Yeah. But those beings will still require socialization to fit in. And, like, that could certainly explain Lisa's baffling bathroom question. Okay. Um, you know, and a few of these so-called normies, like I shit you not, the book mm-hmm. calls them normals, I think like, oh, <laughs> but so they the call people, them normals. Those are the hybrids, the hybrids that not the, the, so the first generation of hybrids, which are more like the ones from that 19, 1967, like uh, magazine where he's talking about that he had intercourse with this lady twice in a row and that she only yeah. looked a little bit human. Like that was what they call like generation one. Okay. Gotcha. And then eventually, as you go down the line and keep repeating these, um, you know, transgenic births. Yeah. Uh, uh, eventually, keep you get to hybridizing. A point. Yeah. You you keep hybridizing them. Thank you. Until the point yeah. that uh, they look very human, but they may not have any understanding or context. So like that's the idea. Because yeah, they're that, obviously not growing up uh-huh. on Earth with humans. So they've got to be weird. So these fake job interviews are social experiments. So that explains that's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that
0: that gives me like like those vibes of like YouTube bros who are like, oh it's a prank bro like, <laughs> like like bring the real humans around so that our our zoo humans that we've bred can learn how to interact. It's like some weird interspecies zoo you know it's like us going to a petting Mm -hmm. zoo it's oh that way weirder than i would have expected but hopkins could ever have gotten with this like honestly like i wasn't (laughs) expecting anything that odd
1: and okay so this and this is where so i actually had to get 226 pages into the book before i could isolate what i would call a hypothesis for the book Mm mm-hmm Okay, but this, this sentence that I pulled from the book, I would say, is the hypothesis statement. Okay. And that would explain what the whole book is about and what they're talking about and what they're leading to and what they want you to leave with. And oh, that shit. is, it is possible that over time, whether it's decades or millions of years, we don't know, that UFO visitors have systematically designed a transgenic species that combines human appearance and the ability to pass... In our culture, along with certain alien abilities, telepathy, or mind reading, remote control over one or more human subjects, and even an ability to step in and out of this material reality as needed. Wow. So, <laughs> that's so broad. <laughs> my first my first reaction is
0: like, wow, that's pretty damn broad. Um, it is can see how he backs it up I mean I all of his stories I mean you only read me a couple and like it all kind of backs it up it is it is a theory I mean I I'll be honest I've never thought about why aliens might be doing this before I've always been interested in the stories of what they do to people but I've never really been I've never really understood why or cared to think about why and it seems like that might be a logical conclusion is that they just want our genetic stock, you know, we're like livestock to them and they just, they need that
1: genetic material. Um, I I could see it being as simple as, you know, they um, came to us and seeded their genetic material into us because they could, Yeah. you know, and like, that would be reason enough, you know, like they, they came and they did it because they can, because they're scientific too, because they're curious too. You know?
0: yeah, what do you what do you think about that theory that aliens treat us like a conservation planet? <laughs> and they're like they're showing up to basically ensure their genetics live on like they're basically like treating us like an endangered species
1: (laughs) because i think that's ironic i think that it's really reassuring and i'm very skeptical of any theory that's really reassuring (laughs) because i feel like that's not realistic yeah (laughs) yeah they don't give a crap whether we survive or not (laughs) if it's optimistic i'm naturally a little skeptical of the validity of that i love it (laughs) well uh what do you think What else do you think? I mean, it's a mind-blowing I I mean it's a mind-blowing a mind-blowing read. Sight Unseen, Science, UFO Invisibility and Transgenic Beings by Bud Hopkins and Carol Rainey. And I'll be honest, I didn't get all the way through the book. I've still got a good third of it left to read. And at this point where I realized at page 226, where I had finally isolated the hypothesis statement Mm -hmm. that I had gone as far as I needed to. But I will say this, if ever in the future there's a demand for me to go back and finish um, the last little uh, third of this book, um, I, I'm willing to potentially revisit that by popular demand.
0: Um, can I just give like my my general final thoughts and then Please, absolutely. you can finish us up? When Sounds I'm great. Um, so I guess... What I really want to touch on is just the the horror of this, <laughs> and I only want to I don't want to scare people. I'm not saying that we should all be afraid and we should go build shelters. Uh, but when I first when we got into this topic, when we started this book, I mean, you lent me this book before we even thought about podcasting, and you told me to read it, and I read a couple parts of it, but um, it didn't seem as scary to me. And you, like you said, it took you a long time to find what it's really about but it does seem absolutely terrifying that you know basically what they're saying is they are taking us and using like us kind of like animals Mm -hmm. without our knowledge especially not our consent but without our knowledge as to why and they're also infiltrating our society in weird ways like using us to teach transgenic beings how to be more human-like you know or um basically just like training for these people uh it's it it goes beyond anything you ever read about aliens it's different than ufos and i love that i love speculating about like because let's be honest if aliens i believe i'm a full alien believer i believe roswell was real and that that was the beginning of our government interacting with aliens i think that was the very beginning and it makes sense to me that after when was that that was 1940s 50s Mm -hmm. 70 years later it makes sense to me that this is the progression that that alien technology has reached you know is now being able to create generations of inter uh like hybrid species and you know doing god knows what with them because we as little plebs we will never get the the big picture of what anyone wants so i mostly just it's super super uh it is I mean it's very a- <laughs> intriguing and very horrifying. And I can't wait to read more.
1: <laughs> it's it's repeating, repeating cases, like over and over again, of people describing these uh experiments being done on them that make mm-hmm. no sense in the context of their own time, but now make sense to us. Yeah. That... Like back then they couldn't comprehend that there would be any kind of test like through a woman's mm-hmm. belly button to like test of pregnancy but yeah. now we know like we can run that's how we can do genetic testing yeah. like of of infants now yeah so. and like <laughs> that is insane. the
0: one i'm mean, not the only scientific part about this whole thing but that is the most compelling about all of this mm-hmm. is that he lays out technology that if if all these abductee stories are real then these technologies must have been true. And here's how those technologies actually could work with our physics on our planet. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing too for skeptics. There's always like that. Well, life can not exist as we know it. It's like, as we know it is kind of a big little, like, you know, little side note in that thing, because as we know, it means a lot. And, um, you know, but to say that these aliens can, can simulate our environment as we know it. Um says a lot to their intelligence and a lot to our uh our um just ourselves as a planet and a humanity. You know, I don't think we're as evolved as we think
1: we are. <laughs> anyway. So what I what I would take away from all of this is if you have missing time that you can't explain, if you oh we haven't even
0: talked about missing time yet we need to do a whole episode on our Uh, own missing time experiences can i i'm sorry you finished i'm gonna add
1: no no i just mean like uh what i walked away from after reading this book is that alien abduction experiences can feel exactly like that time that you showed up to work without realizing how you got there Mm -hmm. Like those really relatable moments that we all experience as human beings, like especially if you're in like autopilot and you're not paying attention and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh man, how'd I get here? I mean, for some people, their alien abduction, that's all the evidence that they have that it happened. Yeah. So it really could have happened to anybody and it could have happened to you. And I just want you to remember that it could have happened to you. And it might be happening to you on an ongoing basis, which means it'll happen again soon. So sweet dreams.
0: Good night. Can't (laughs) wait to see you next time. Yeah, come back next week for uh, maybe more Conspiracy Shelf, maybe something else. Actually, we have an amazing episode next week about um, a missing 411 story about a woman in a red coat and my own Sasquatch investigating... Uh, experiences so I'm so excited oh man we've got all the sasquatch tea <laughs> check us out on patreon come support or support us there and uh come back next week on Can't. i miss you already <laughs> come back next week on everything under the moon
1: y'all come back now you hear <laughs>